A very warm welcome to This World Game Changers podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards creating a better life and world. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational insights and motivational messages out into the world so others may benefit. Hello World Game Changers, wherever you may be. Welcome back to this podcast episode where today, on the fifth of our Angels with Dirty Faces episode, this one is going to be talking about a feminine perspective. An interesting one, you know, football is stereotypically, or certainly was from the era where Gary and I came from, very male-dominated, very macho, etc., etc. So we've got a lady that's based down in Brighton, and she's going to challenge us on that. Uh, Will, uh, Will Game Changes director, Rebecca Wheel. Rebecca, a very warm welcome to you, Mom. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me on. Right. So a feminine perspective, Rebecca. Where, where do you want to start with this? You, you, you know my background very, very well. You're very aware of Gary's as well. It's um, We're in your hands, so to speak. All right. Well, I thought I'd start basically by, you know, as a woman um, and also as someone who personally in my life, I haven't really experienced violence or um, kind of any of the gang culture, um, football, you know, hooligan culture. Um, I wondered, I was curious, you know, what the uh, what the what the I guess um you know, the why of getting in a fight, you know, what what drives you to to kind of um to do that? Is it um purely survival? Like what 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 was the kind of feelings around those times? Um because for, for as a woman I kind of I I find it hard to kind of relate in a way to that. So yeah, I'm curious as your thoughts around that. Do you want to kick us off, Gary? Yeah. Um... Uh, yeah, like I said the other day, um, we was brought up in 70s football, really. It was more of a male-orientated sport. You know, it's very rare you've seen families or or ladies at football matches. It's only probably since the birth of the Premier League in the mid-90s and a lot of money came in the game uh, that families start, the game started changing like, uh, like from Italia 90, really. Um, that women and families sort of got more money, people come involved in football, you know, uh, VIP, hospitalities sort of come in. But in the 70s when we went to football, it was basically every man for himself. You know, you went to an away game. You want to start to fight your way from the station to the stadium and back again. You know, everyone's, I would say everyone was fair game at football in them days. You know, it's not right. We know it's not right. We know it's wrong. But I think it was survival of the fittest, really. It went into the 80s, the dark. I would say the, some people say the good old days or the dark old days, but it escalated into worse. You know, there was deaths at football. You know, they had Arsenal Stadium, Hillsborough. You know, it got worse and worse until, you know, the Thatcher and government turned it around a bit where all the football balliols of the cameras came in. Uh, and then obviously after the success of Italia 90 with the England team uh, into the early 90s, um, I don't think there would have been a Premier League. And then they were both of the Premier League about 92. You know, it changed, it changed the game in Britain, really, you know, with the money coming in. Uh, and then the all-seat stadia came came into effect because of that report. I forgot the name of the bloke who did that report from the Hillsborough Stadium disaster. Um, we made it all-seat stadium in Britain. You know, it, it, we started attracting families and more corporate hospitality packages and, and money people came into the game. Mm. Uh, so football really changed in the 90s, you know. Um, but it was completely different in the seventies and eighties, and probably late sixties as well. It was it was more of a male sport, you know. Yeah. So and it, it became gang culture, like like with the Teddy Boys in the fifties, and then the Modern Rockers, you know, the the Greasers in the sixties, the Bike Boys. It, it was a get more of a gang culture of football. Mm. You know? So it was a kind of case of survival, and you know, if you didn't kind of have your own back, then you're just gonna, you know. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, I, I yeah. got beat. I got beat up at Southampton when I was still at school. You know, I was 15. I come out of the football stadium, you know, 
having a bit of a laugh with a couple of my mates next minute, I got beat up. I, I was caught covered in blood. I went mm. to school one day with black eye, thick lips, and everybody said, what have you been up to? I said, I got beat up at Southampton. Nobody would believe me. Oh. You know, I, I wasn't a hooligan then. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was nothing, you know, I was a normal, normal, just a normal schoolboy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, just started going to football, really, on my own. Mm. So that's what it was like, mm. you know. Yeah, it was the Taylor report, wasn't it, for the Hills? For a thing. That's right, uh, Taylor, Taylor, yeah. Um, yeah, certainly from my own point of view, Rebecca, it's a very interesting question because I don't know about you, Gary, but there's times, as you say, it's away in games, and, and certainly under Cloughies in this, you know, the, the 70s, the late 70s and the 80s, Forest didn't get beat too often, but when they did, you know, I can remember, especially when it all kicked off, thinking, I want to be at home with my missus or my girlfriend. I want to be where it's nice and warm. Yeah. So there was almost, for me, like, you know, like we've said in previous uh, episodes, that Gary's path and my path, as, as, as very similar as they were, were in many respects completely different. And, you know, what Gary's alluded to there, Rebecca, you kind of, I think it was a sign of the times. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a lot of confusion. You know, we'd got the, the swing in 60s and then the more liberal 70s. I think, you know, the youth were growing up confused. They was looking for an identity. And to have that, you know, and football is an immensely, immensely powerful medium. And it gave you that sense of belonging, which mm -hmm. for me personally... It didn't work, mm. although I love Nottingham Forest Football Club um, because I was always a loner. So, but it was a really interesting one. So, I, you know, football became the pitch where, you know, this greater thing where youth was growing up. You know, when you look at the 60s, up until then, it was like, you know, nice girls don't do that. Big, you know, and all these kind of just do as you're told, speak when you're spoken to, know your place, you're only a child. And mm. that was changing. And certainly in the 70s with punk rock and this rebelliousness of the teen and, and, you know, this spirit that was going through Britain, it's like, no, we're not going to be suppressed anymore. We have a voice. We, we want to be heard. You know, and I think the punk rock spoke to that, this rebellious nature and this expression of, you know, I'm not going to toe the party line, you know, and that for me was really uh, played out on, you know, particularly within football particularly within football. But, yeah, to, you know, to come back to your thread, Rebecca, about this more feminine perspective, you know, there were, there were times when, you know, you'd go away on a Tuesday night to kick off, you'd get beat, it was raining, it was like, oh, I wish I was at home having coffee and crumpets with my girlfriend or, yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> did, that's very interesting. Did, did you feel a certain almost pressure to be because with kind of um I, I imagine like when kind of guys are in groups and uh, you know um with all that kind of energy around and you know football matches and people are kind of starting things here and there did you feel a kind of pressure to stay there to stay in that and be you know because I know you talk about the gang culture as well especially kind of always having each other's backs no matter what so you know, you talk about going home back to the missus, but did you did you feel like that wasn't an option for you? Um, not through peer pressure, and then Gary might have a. I don't know. Well, I don't know what Gary's. I, I won't speak for Gary. He'll speak for himself, of course. Uh, but no, because I was a loner, I didn't. In fact, just the opposite. The more somebody pressured me, the more I'd just say no. Right. You know, that was the worst thing that you could do. Try and pressure me. So I never ran with the flock. I always swam against the tide. You know, if you say black, I'd say white. Um, in fact, in those days, for people that was, you know, familiar with re reverse psychology, they could have had a field day with me because if they wanted me to say black, all they had to say is white, and I <laughs> would say black, even if I didn't, you know, it is a bit of an interesting one. So, sure. no. What's your thoughts around that one, Gary, peer pressure? Yeah, I, I, I got pressured into joining the Forest Boys because uh, I got attacked by him. Uh, I explained when I was very young. I think I was still in school then in, in Nottingham um, at a football game. Well, just before it, I got attacked by him in Nottingham City Centre. And that, and, they, and then every week afterwards, I seemed to bump into him in the city. And there was a, there was a bar in West Bridgeford at the time. It was on a Sunday night, a late bar. And we used to go there, down there with my schoolmates. And there was always in there this group, group of lads. And I'll be honest with you, they're a great bunch of lads, even though 
what happened happened. Um, they, they kept saying, why don't you come away games with us? Like, you know what I mean? So I did get pressured eventually and I wilted and I said, yeah, come on then, I'll go with you next week. Where are you going? London, Arsenal away, you know what I mean? And I'll be honest with you, got the train with them all and I really enjoyed it. It was a great day out, you know what I mean? Even though I got arrested. We all got arrested actually. But um, I think that was the, the the start of the journey with the Forest Boys, you know, and uh, and once you get into it, 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 like I said before, it's like a drug. It's hard to get out of. It, it, it's mm. very hard to get out of it, mm. you know. And uh, obviously, I got married in the early nineties, first marriage, you know. I, I think in the eighties, you know, I didn't have the greatest job in the world, working a grass on shifts. Um, you know, you're getting Tom Dick and Harry telling you what to do. You know, it's boring. Yeah. Uh, or to a day out of the football with your mates on a Saturday. You know, it's a love, you know, you, you, all week you plan what you're going to wear, you know, what you're going to do, you know. Mm. Uh, it, it was a release, you know what I mean? It was Saturday release. And then obviously, early 90s, I got married. Um, you know, so we got a mortgage together and then there's pressure there. We're having a mortgage, very young, you know what I mean? And getting married. And I think that, that I carried on. And, and Saturdays was your day out, away from the, the message, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's, it's, I always call it pressure sometimes. Mm. And you think that, that was your release, your day out on Saturday mm. football, you know what I mean? Mm. i tell you what's interesting, Rebecca, because you've been um, you've been to some Forest matches in the, uh, in, in the not-too-distant past. I think your first one was at the City Ground, VQPO and Forest 1-3-1. Uh, did Spence scored that amazing goal? You went away to Peterborough with me. Yeah. Uh, where Forest won one nil. Um, and recently, uh, we went to Brighton, which is obviously your hometown club, for a nil nil draw. Um, I don't know. I mean, I know I've asked you this, but share with Gary what your kind of you know your thoughts were about those three very very different experiences in terms of um, your you know your. I was going to say indoctrination, but you're not indoctrinated. <laughs> not yet, anyway. Um, towards Nottingham Forest football. It must club. be our lucky charm, Shantine's lose, yeah. No, no, I never thought about that. <laughs> What's your thoughts, Rebecca, about those three very different experiences? Yeah, I guess there was a lot of uh, diversity, you know, um, uh, you know, being in the midst of like the actual like in the stadium like with the kind of right in the midst of all the the fans chanting and everything that was quite a, an experience for me um but yeah they were all quite um quite different I guess in their own way um but you know you still have the like the energy of it and the kind of um that real like uh dedication from the fans and that real commitment and just co- complete and utter you know it's like it's like a kind of religion or it's like their absolute you know um life for for I think for so many people um so it was interesting to kind of witness that be in the midst of that mm-hmm. yeah and what did you find the most um enjoyable experience because obviously on the QPR game uh we went corporate behind glass so to speak so mm. You know, you was kind of away from the uh, the heat and the intensity, as opposed to the Peterborough game when we was, you know, amongst three thousand plus Mad Forest fans all singing in celebration mood. It was a uh, it was St George's Day, if, if I remember correctly. Um, it yeah. was a beautiful right. summer's day, great result. I mean, completely different experience, and then obviously Brighton on a Tuesday night. Um, yeah, I mean, what was your sort of Comparing the one uh, behind glass VQPR versus, say, the Peterborough one. Yeah, well, I guess the one like the corporate, you know, behind glass is uh, feels more civilized in a sense, doesn't it? Because it's kind of like you know, you're. It's almost like you know, you can watch it on TV, um, and it's that you're completely like kind of separated from it. I guess with corporate, you're you're there, but you're not in the kind of very midst of the. The noise you don't get as loud of a noise and um as kind of uh, uh much of the experience of actually being in the in the crowd um so yeah it, it did it definitely is very uh very different experience being kind of behind the glass I think um there's yeah I think there's um yeah just a kind of different energy in the room because you're kind of a bit more um away from I guess the the game um mm. Gary, when you was courting, did you ever take any of your lasses to a game? Yeah, 
I did actually, yeah. Um, first wife uh, took us to a couple of games. Uh, she quite enjoyed it. Uh, that's when Stan Collymore days, to be honest with you. So it was quite quite was successful. Then it was quite enjoyable to watch and a great atmosphere. So I took her to a couple of them games. <clears throat> um, yeah, my second wife. Uh, I've just come back off the banning order after about nine years when I met the second wife and. Uh, uh, obviously, I didn't want to get get involved with a gang culture anymore, or, or be going to gang groups. So I started taking her to my first couple of games, first few games back, because I was a bit apprehensive about going back. It was a big, big step going back after nine years. Yeah, you know, wow. eyes, eyes were on me. Police eyes were on me. You know, waiting for me to step out of line or do something silly. You know, yeah. they, don't, they don't believe you can change, do they? You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. uh, in, to, to be on the safe side, I, I took my second wife down quite a lot with me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Any other thoughts, Rebecca, from a feminine perspective around this, um, this, well, this whole thing, this, this, yeah. this quandary? I think it's, I think it's fascinating, personally. Mm. I, I find it interesting, you know, you've mentioned, um, you know, being in relationships and also this lifestyle and like how that kind of works together. And uh, I guess how, you know, how that impacted your relationships to kind of have this kind of lifestyle, this, um, you know, um, hooligan gang lifestyle and, and getting in fights and things and how that actually impacted um, your relationships? Yeah, I think it ended my first marriage anyway because uh, it didn't last very long. And um, at the time, you had to have five points of unreasonable behaviour to get divorced. And Nottingham Forest have mentioned three out of the five points. All right. Oh, God. <laughs> Cracker. Cracker. Yeah. And uh, that that reminds me, um, I just got in with this lass at, at the time um, a few years ago, and I, you know, we was going all right, we was getting, we were starting to get a bit serious and what have you. And I said to her, and this was my idea of humour in those days. In fact, if I'm honest about it, it still is. And uh, I said to her the one day we'd been going out for I don't know about three months, and as I say, it was beginning to start to get serious. And I said, uh, I've got some, there's something I haven't told you. I haven't been truthful. I haven't been completely truthful with you. And I could see her face drop. And she said, what is it? I said, I really don't know how to tell you this because it will break your heart. And she said, what is it? And the more I'm winding up, I can see she's getting more angry with me. And I said, you're actually sharing me with somebody else. (laughs) And she gave me a load of expletives. And she said, I really didn't think you was like that. And in the end, you know, she's trying to win. Who is it? What's her name? What I said, I can't tell you. I can't tell you what her name is. And I kept emphasising the her. I can't tell you what her name is. And anyway, she slapped me. And and to be fair, I mean, it was a wind-up that, you know, anyway, in the end, I just burst out laughing. And then she went to punch me. And she said, I'm glad, I'm glad you think it's funny, you pig, or words to that effect. She said, I think you're disgusting laughing at something as serious as this and I said okay look you've worn me down you're sharing me with Nottingham Forest Football Club and we we just burst out laughing after that after I I got um after I got a slap for the trouble but that was you know it was a misguided attempt at humour Rebecca if a guy said that to you how do you think you'd react from a feminine point of view um I mean I feel like it's kind of prodding to you know get a reaction isn't it because you're kind of you're 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 saying something to uh kind of in um what's the word insinuate something else where when you actually you know at the end of it it's going to be a joke but Mm. um but there's this kind of prodding there it's almost like needing some kind of reaction so I don't know I think I'd be um probably quite cross (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think it's fair to say she was quite cross. Yeah. Gary, have you had any moments like that where you you thought in your own mind, oh, this is good fun, but it's not landed well? Yeah, you know, the first marriage, um, I can remember um, before I just got back, back in Europe and uh, my wife was at work in town and the draw came out and we, got, we drew Malmo in Sweden. At the time, there was a, there was an offer on with a newspaper. I think it might have been Daily Mail, um, and I could get flights. So we out conferring with, with with the wife. I went and booked the flights to Sweden, return, and uh, I cleared off for a week 
I told her I was going for a couple of days. I came back after a week. So that didn't go down very well. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah, there's several incidents in my first marriage like that. Like when we went to Spain for a uh, family holiday, we got back and she had to go back to work next day. I was off, for the, I think it was a Friday, and I was off like on the Friday. She went straight back to work. Anyway, I went into town to see her. They had a pair of shorts on, just got a tan from Spain, had a pair of shorts on and a pair of boating shoes and a T-shirt. Bumped into one of the lads. He goes, oh, we had Southampton away for the first game of the season on Saturday. He said, we're going to Bournemouth tonight. You fancy coming? So I just got back from Spain, like, you know, she's at work. Dad will be able to go there. Anyway, pops in a shop. I said, I'm off to Bournemouth. I said, I've no clothes, nothing. I just got in the car, went, bought two flush from boots around the corner and went to Bournemouth. So she wasn't very happy there either. Yeah. <laughs> no, no wonder the marriage ended. <laughs> I think it, I don't know about you, Gav, but it's, uh, I find it quite, ironic now as I look back on that because you know those kind of antics that used to be the that used to be the norm didn't it you know you wouldn't bat an eyelid I wouldn't it's like I just go AWOL and that was it mm. just totally leaving behind any responsibility I wouldn't even think of doing it now let alone sort of yeah, leaving, uh, you're right Paul I mean that, that was you're right there mate I mean I was probably in, I was in the late 20s and then football, football's football it was everything to me, and, and yourself, like you know that. Not even Forest mm. was everything. Mm. So I put Forest before before my first marriage. You know what I mean? So yeah. that was that was my own downfall, really. You know what I mean? You wouldn't do it these days, would you? Mm. No. And I think you're the embodiment, Gary, and a, and a shining light of you know. You still get massive, massive buzz out of football. You know, I've been very privileged to be alongside you at, uh, at games and you know home and away. And, and and also, you know, when you're going to see your son play as well, because you get your passion, I don't know, fix is the right word, but, you know, through watching your son progress and, and there's massive enjoyment in that family connection of football, isn't there? Oh, I love watching my son play football. I went watching this morning. Um, what a game. He, he, he played really well again. And uh, within the first two or three minutes, it was, the, pick, the match nearly got called off. It was a mud bath. And he went flying into the morning, absolutely covered from head to toe in more than the first couple of minutes. I felt sorry, you know what I mean? And it's what a game. I get more of a buzz watching me son these days. I mean, Sunday morning football is quite, playing quite high standard. Yeah, you know, last year when he got that goal in the last minute, that cup, you know, from his own half, and he went viral on, on all over all over the world, 1.4 million views. Luckily, I taped it, as, as we call it. He went on all the, every national radio station, every, every news channel, uh, Soccer AM. Yeah, what a buzz that was for him. It was a bigger buzz for me, you know what I mean? And watching him play this morning, the one three two, the score in the last minute, you know, it, it just gives you a big buzz watching your son doing well at football, you know what I mean? They're looking well to win the league this year and they're in the quarterfinals of the Cup. So it, it gives me a big buzz watching my son play football. Football's been my life, you know yeah. that. You guys know that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So and I, I think it's my son's life as well. It's been bred into him. You know, he's played football since he was four years old. Starts out at Dunkirk, yeah. You know, he lives, lives, and eats football. You know, that's his life. That's his life. You know, and he, he, he had his first season ticket at Forest when he was four. You know, he's had a season ticket since. He just loves Forest as well, just mm. following his footsteps. But obviously, you know, he won't get into the world I got into. You know what I mean? He's he's not like that. He ain't got a bad bone in his body. You know, he's, he's a good boy. You know, and that it's not that world anymore anyway. Things have changed. Things have moved on from the seventies and eighties. Completely different now at football. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, this is an interesting question for you, Rebecca, as, you know, as a would-be mother that, you know, um, as Gary will testify, you get a lot of um, a lot of mothers, a lot of uh, girls, a lot of females, women at football these days yeah. because of the whole culture. And, you know, I can't imagine any greater pride, whether it's a mother or father, than watching their child, whether it's a boy or girl, that's totally irrelevant you know, express themselves on a field of play. You know, whether they're the next Pele or not is totally irrelevant. But it's that, you know, that's my that's my child there. And I think that's what's significant, Gary, in terms of how things have changed over the years. Because, you know, going back in the day when we was younger, you know, I could never, ever remember seeing a female on, on a sideline. No, that's right. There was no women's football back in them days, was there? And now it's you know you get girls playing and boys teams on Sunday and Saturdays, don't you? Oh, wow. You know they play, play mixed sports now. There is there is girl teams, but 
I mean, there is the odd, uh, if they're good enough, the girls can play in boys' teams up to a certain age. Yeah. You know, like Paul says, we've got a mutual friend that's <coughs> a very, was a very good footballer. She's just become a uh, coach of Great Britain police team, hasn't she, Paul? She has, you yeah. Know, played, yeah. For, played for the Republic of Ireland, plays in our charity games at Carlton, she's played for Forest Ladies, uh, Doncaster Bells, I think it was. Um, yeah, she's played at a very high level. I think she's got first child caps for the Republic of Ireland, you know, and... Uh, yeah, you know, the Forest Ladies have got a good side now as well, aren't they? Mm. You know, and then look at the women England team that's just won the Euros. You know, it's it's very it's getting very good women's football, isn't it? Yeah, but you know, like I say, uh, mothers on the sideline, sisters on the sideline. You know, just just watching the the kids, the family members. It's you know, it's for me, it's given a whole new dynamic football has to this. You know, this term of feminine perspective. Rebecca, any other thoughts from your point of view about a feminine perspective on the beautiful game? Yeah, it's interesting hearing you talking there about kind of, you know, more women being involved. Um, and, you know, it doesn't matter what level or how, how good it's all. It's just actually about being in the game and just and taking part in um, whether it's on the sidelines or whether it's, you know, actually playing the game itself. Um and that inclusivity, I think, is is really interesting that women have are now, um, you know, it's quite, uh, you know, it's quite a lot of women are now involved, um, whereas it used to be, you know, very much back in the day, more kind of strictly, you know, um, only men, it would be unheard of to see a woman. So in a sense, that's kind of like a reflection of where the world is at, really, with um, how um, that kind of the balance um, is being kind of, um, restored a little bit with um, uh, with men and women in a way. So but that's right. I mean, look at the commentators now. There's always a woman commentator, isn't there? Mm. You know, you've got to have a woman on the panel, aren't there? You know, I, I listen to the radio coming back here tonight. Listen to the football. You got to, you got to lady commentators. You know, there's always a lady in the studio. You know, analysing the game at half time. They, they, I think they've got to have a lady on the panel now, aren't they? Right. Right. Well, yeah. Mm. And, and you know what, I think football, um, what's interesting for me that as society's involved, and this is just my personal opinion, I don't think football has. I think in terms of its equality, it, it's been seen to evolve, because like you say, it's opened up to the, but you look at the kind of the culture that still underpins with the, uh, dare I say, the old boys network, the chauvinism, I still, I think that's still rife in football. Right. Society's moved on in many respects. Arguably, arguably, and this is another conversation completely, a little bit too much with the PC brigade. You can't say this, you can't say that, you can't say the other. But listen, that's uh, I'm putting the hand grenade in the room there. That's a that's a whole new topic in its own right. Um, yeah. yeah. Any any thoughts about that, the pair of you? Yeah, I know. I know where you're coming from. You've got to, there's, you know, you've got to be careful what you say these days, don't you? You know, very careful. You know, the last moved on. You know, it's it's especially coming from our area, Paul. You know, sometimes, sometimes you want to say something, but you have to you have to bite your lips, don't you, mate? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and that's interesting. Yet again, Rebecca, from a feminine perspective, I mean, you know, how do you find it? Like talking to to such as me and Gary, I mean, obviously you've had a far, far deeper interaction with me and you see me more regularly than Gary, but, you know, we're in some respects, and I'll use other people's words, not mine, two peas in a pod. How do you find it as a young woman, as a non, dare I say, as this for a label, a non-football young woman, <laughs> and then listening to kind of the old school, the old brigade, like me and Gary, talking passionately about, oh, you know, I can remember 20, as I said to you when we was at Peterborough, for the game. It was 28 years prior to that when Forrest won 3-2 in 92. Mm. Um, how do you find that, you know, the language, bearing in mind, you know, as Gary said, in this modern PC era, we have to kind of watch his P's and Q's a little bit more. Yeah. No, it's it's really interesting. And because in my life, you know, from my perspective and, and growing up, I guess as a as a woman, um, probably mainly, I wasn't really um, you know, football was something for me that was just always in the background. It was always kind of there, but I I never really knew much about it. And, you know, my my dad is very into football, so I've kind of had a bit of um, you know, um uh 
like watched it a little bit from that and you know he's talked about it from time to time but uh, yeah for, for me it's not ever been something that's been very prominent at all in my life so it is really interesting hearing you both you know when you're talking about it and and the passion and the um you know it's had such a huge impact in in your life and um uh particularly yeah like talking about the the older days and like how it's changed and um uh yeah it's it's uh it's interesting how you know how it's kind of it brings people together as well I think football um you know and you can kind of see that with um but I guess at the same time it, it also has done maybe more so in the past like the way it used to be as has, has also separated people so um and, and made people kind of go against each other but um but yeah uh, there's, an, there's an interesting Paul saying then watching your P's and Q's this made me, brought a bit of a smile to my face there was a certain Mr Clough the old Trent end used to uh, have one or two songs that had a few a few uh, naughty words in and on one home game Mr Clough had a, a, some audience made up and it, it was on the, it was on the pitch before the game and it said uh, no swearing please gentlemen remember that Paul I can remember it well yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I can remember it very well. I well, mean, he's ahead, of, he's ahead of his time and everything, wasn't he? Oh, massively so. Yeah, massively that's so. Unbelievably so. Yeah, I mean, Rebecca, would you care to recite to us for the benefit of our listeners one or two chants you've heard on the terraces that you may have took close <laughs> to your heart that some would say, I don't know, maybe girls shouldn't be singing songs like that at the risk of stereotyping. <laughs> Do you care to share with us? No, I won't be sharing any. But you can do that, Paul, if you want to. No, you I to share no, some songs. No, the title of this podcast episode. <laughs> this, this, this is a, this is another funny story. We had Ian Story Moore at Carlton Town yesterday, doing our pre-match Q and A in the clubhouse, and uh, obviously he tells some great stories about the old days in sixties and seventies football. Um, and uh, he obviously some of the some of the stories he had to tell. There was one or two sort of like words in there that you, 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 it had to be mixed in with the with the story anyway Mick got on the chair and he gets up on the he's on the mic he was Ian, Ian you know just watch this wearing you know we've got children in the ground and children in the clubhouse you know my lad was sat next to me I mean he's heard worse anyway but anyway uh, yeah <laughs> Mick had to have a word with me Ian's story more you know was probably one of the most iconic footballers in Forest history um, but we had a, we had a fundraiser there on Friday um a dinner, a dinner fundraiser for the, for the club, like, and we had um, Craig Ignat there, and we had Nigel Jemson on our table, uh, who used to play for Forest, you know, quite an iconic footballer for Forest again, scored a winning goal at Wembley one year. And uh, the other week, his son plays for Grantham Town now, Jemmo's son, and uh, we played him at home the other week. And anyway, uh, last minute, um, somebody let, well, didn't let us down at all, they just couldn't make it, they, they got waylaid. So we, was, we were stuck where we are at QA. Um, guest, so Jemmo being ex Forest footballer stepped in, stepped in the clubhouse and stepped in for us. Anyway, he didn't realize that there was out, you know, on, on the mic and that it, it actually came outside on the tannoy. So people outside in the ground were actually listening to the conversation. And his son was playing for Grantham Town. Anyway, Jemmo told one story and he came out with the F word. And uh, he never swears in front of his children, never has done. And he's and he and his, his, his son's warming up, the, warming up on the pitch before the game and he heard his dad swear. He said he got rollicking when he got home for swearing. You know what I mean? That was so funny. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that yeah. was. Yeah. Any other thoughts, Rebecca, about things? I'm really interested because there's not only this gender diversity, but there's this kind of, you know, there's a couple of years age difference as well, which kind of puts you in a, you know, uh, uh, we've already spoke about it, not just on this uh, conversation so far, but in previous conversations around this whole kind of you know this this uh, this game of life changing the game of life mm. the beautiful game yeah. and and how the younger generation because Gary and I were angry young men looking yeah. for this sense of identity yeah and we found it in different ways you know what about yourself Rebecca from this you know we spoke about the you know the the feminine perspective we've come from a couple of angles predominantly the football side of things um but what about the age thing as well? Is that kind of what does that ring home to you? In what way? What do you mean in terms of like the age? Um, 
Well, just the whole, you know, for you, was football, is football um, still kind of perceived as a thing for, for men and boys? Or is it, you know, do you kind of understand? I just picked up when mm -hmm. you was talking earlier on that you was a little bit surprised that there's as many kind of females involved, irrespective of age, that, that there is. And I don't know, I think there's this whole diversity uh, within this, this conversation that not only with the football thing, because you haven't come from that background yourself but also this kind of and I don't believe I'm saying this because I don't believe in this label but this age thing as well of right okay so this is the modern game is it I never really understood that well I think for me growing up um football my perception of football was that it was you know um for, like men played football really like boys men played football it, I didn't really ever see uh, kind of women or girls playing football um and I think it has like become you know uh, there's women's football on tv now and and things like that and um but I'm not really that tuned into it so uh, you know I may have be, be surprised to you know learn that there's more women playing than I I'm aware of um just because I'm not kind of I'm not looking at it I'm not really into it I'm not really seeing what's going on um but I think that it's uh, I, I think that it's great that there are, you know, m more um, women involved. Um, if, you know, if there's something that they want to do and they want to, you know, sport, I think sport's such a great thing for for bringing people together. And it's such a uh, great thing for health and fitness. I think it should be really encouraged, you know, um, whatever gender. Um, so, um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of, um, you know, age, I guess, uh I guess there is a difference from when I grew up, obviously, to when you guys grew up. It's a very different world. Um, so um, it's kind of a different angle on it that way. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Any other thoughts around... Let's, let's kind of open it up now to the game of life, the beautiful game of life, not the beautiful game of football. Any other thoughts from a feminine perspective you know, we started off by speaking about the importance of family. And I'm going to throw in a word now that, Gary, this has not been used much. In fact, I don't think it's been used in the previous episodes. But this word called love. Because what we're talking about is the love of the beautiful game, whether that's the beautiful game of football or the love of the beautiful game of life. Gary, I mean, certainly growing up as we did as young men, you, 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 didn't, you didn't bandy words like that around, did you? No, no, we didn't. Um, probably, so. <laughs> I mean, we had it match our image, didn't we, when we were younger, especially being, being involved in, with the football and stuff. It was all macho this and yeah. macho that. So, yeah, you know, it's not the sort of word you, you band around at that age, is it, when you're trying to get an image and, you know, and trying to look the part, you know what I mean? It's, uh, no, it's not a word you came out with when, when when we was younger. I mean, a lot of people think it's a sign of weakness. You know what I mean? Same thing, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Mm. Where I'm coming from. Mm. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you guys have, you know, you've gone from very dark times and you've really transformed your lives and uh, kind of moved through the darkness into, you know, much lighter times and, and, and uh, much... Um, much more love and happiness in your life now I imagine as as when you were growing up and what how do you feel like you know um the the love that you have for yourself and your relationship for yourself has helped you in that um that journey from going from kind of the darkness to to where you are now H how has love played a part in that and in particular in relationship with with yourself I think having having a child changed my life, you know. Yeah. You know, you know, actually, you know, love that is having having, <laughs> having fun. You know, you realise what love's all about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Having said that, I mean, my antics, um, I arguably heightened even more when I had three kids because I was so lost and still so angry because I hadn't dealt with the issues that had been planted from very, very early age. Well, as early as eight has been alluded to in a, you know, so that seed had been planted and that got watered over the years. 
and I just become angrier and angrier and angrier. And yes, I mean, I'd agree with Gary because the three biggest highlights um, of my life, uh, well, actually four, but we actually lost our first child. He was stillborn. Um, as is, you know, is the birth of, of my four children um, and three obviously currently living. You know, that, that kind of puts things in perspective. You know, going back yet again, Gary, and I know it's been mentioned a few times that iconic Shankly quip of, you know, football's not about life or death, it's more important. I'd switch that on its head because for me, this is where I totally agree with you, you know, and I'm learning the hard way and I've learned the hard way that love of family is is just, there's nothing to compare, in my humble opinion. No, no, my, my boy's my world. Totally agree, you know. When he came into the world, my life changed completely, really. You know, but I think the, uh, I had a bit the right age, really, as well, because I was 44. You know, I thought I'd passed having a child, to be honest with you. Um, I didn't really want kids when I, when I was in my 20s or 30s. I wasn't bothered. You know, I was more, it was all me, me, me. All I was bothered about was myself, getting my football fix, doing things with my mates, you know what I mean? That's all I was interested in. You know, women came and went, you know what I mean? I wasn't really that bothered, you know, I'd, I'd take it or leave it. You know, it was just all about football forest and and, and getting drunk without with mates at the weekend, you know what I mean? And I think if I'd have had a child early on, I don't think I would have been the greatest dad in the world either. You know what I mean? He, he came along at the right age, yeah. you know, for me, you know what I mean? So so having him um, brought into the world kind of uh, allowed you to not, you know, to to move away from your own kind of uh, like self in a way, like so you you kind yeah. of had something else to focus on, yeah, yeah, be responsible yeah. for. You know, like you say, yeah, it, it did um, get me. You know, I was, I was at the right age for uh, looking for a new direction. You know, doing yeah. some what I'm on. You know? Yeah, and yeah. laughing life. You know what I mean, and. Uh, yeah, you know, a new direction, new path in life, and 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 and, and, and bigger responsibilities, and uh, <coughs> you know, and it's given me second wind in life, really, because I, I, you know, and, and now I'm, I'm reliving all, all my younger days with my son, you know, playing football, he's playing football, and I'm taking him to Forest again, and watching Forest with my son is giving me second, but second buzz, you know what I mean, and not, not the violent buzz that I had in my younger days. This is I'm enjoying this a lot more taking my son and seeing Forrest being successful again, taking him to the Premier League games. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting more enjoyment out of this. Like we, we said in the episode, me and Paul said, that was probably the best game, Forrest game I've ever been to, is watching Forrest win at Wembley and get promotion with my son. You know what I mean? That was <laughs> that was a great football game in my life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that those words there right at the end with my son, because my son was in there, but he wasn't stood at side of me. I wish he was. But um, you know, uh, you know, he was over over the other part of the yard with all the the other forest supporters were. But you know, and I said to him afterwards, you know, um, that will go down. I will never, ever, ever forget that memory. Diamonds couldn't buy that day, and that wasn't just about Forest getting back in the Premier League. That was that was a big part of it because all those emotions after all those years of a lifetime came back from childhood. It's like the boys are back. The boys are back, you know, and I'm seeing women crying, you know, young kids crying, tears of joy, tears of happiness, grown men crying, hugging the family, reassuring them and letting them, it's okay. But in a loving, beautiful way, not in a fearful way. And those emotions for me, like I've said, diamonds could not buy. And this is why I totally, totally get where Gary's coming from when he goes to watch his boy play. Because I, I, you know, despite my kind of... Uh, Antics in early, you know, my, my lad played um, played football at a, at a decent level in his, you know, uh, in his younger days. And I used to get such a buzz out of that. Such a buzz. Yeah. So what's, so the feeling of kind of, um, in a way, do you feel like, you know, being able to give them um, more of a uh, wholesome kind of uh, like version of of the football experience? Um, is is probably quite rewarding because obviously you guys had such a negative uh, uh, experience. 
I don't think it's just the football. I think for me, and this is why I, you know, I keep saying changing it from the beautiful game of football to me, it's the beautiful game of life. Because what football does is one of many mediums that allows that togetherness. You know, in yeah. Gary's case, being able to share that that experience with his son. You know, he's, he's alluded to scoring that last minute winner today. You know, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot explain how that feels as a parent, you know, when you see your son or daughter in a team and the team's won or they've played well or whatever it is, <laughs> you know, it's absolutely priceless. And that's not just about football. That's about life. That's that pride and that love of saying, do you know what? That's my child. That's my family. You know, and you get all these people standing around the touchline thinking and feeling exactly the same thing. That's my baby out there. Yeah. yeah. So I suppose that's, the burning... That's, that's, that's right. It doesn't really matter how good you are either. You know, you're part of a team. You know, it doesn't matter if, whether you're, you're Pelly or you're, or you're a, a non-league player, really, does it? It's just the enjoyment of it all, seeing your yeah. your, your son out there. You know, it's, it's it, that's what it's all about. Mm. Participation of the game as well. Mm. You know. Yes, being part of something, you know. People yeah, something you enjoy, something yeah. you enjoy, yeah. enjoy it all. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, a lot of kids go into academies at you know from eight years old up until whatever, and then get released at Paul will tell you, get released at 15, 16. You know, um, they're not playing with their friends. You know, it's, it's, it's the enjoyment of the game, isn't it? You know, academies, I think it gets it gets drummed out of them a lot. You know what I mean? And these kids have a lot. You know, there's a, there's a lot of mental health issues as well when kids get released from football. Paul's been in that game, and so he's, he's worked at Forest doing that sort of stuff. Right, yeah. That's a really good point, you know, doing something for the enjoyment of it rather than just kind of because, you know, you've maybe from a young age have, have, have wanted to do it, but then it's kind of got very much about always progressing progressing and where you're going to go with it and then actually it loses the enjoyment out of it you know why why do we do these things anyways just to get that enjoyment and and um actually you know if it lights you up if it's something that you know you have don't don't get don't get me wrong they all want to win yeah you you get enjoyment of winning you know they're getting that age now my lad's 12 and he's getting to that age now you know they're desperate to win you know you see that the elation when they all scored that last minute goal today what a celebration, you know what I mean? You know, the second in the league and they really had to win today, you know what I mean? So, mm. they, you know, if they win every game, they've won the league. If they win every game, it's in their own hands still. With the drop points today, it, it, would have been, it would have been a bit more difficult, you know what I mean? You could see the elation yeah. on the faces at the end and the parents. Everyone yeah. jumping down. You know, that's what that's what football does to you, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, yeah. It's a I've always found that interesting how, you know, when, when a team wins or you don't actually win anything, but it's the actual winning itself that is the, you know, um, the thing. And I've always found that kind of quite interesting um, because it's like playing, playing a game where actually you're, you're playing for the, for the fun of it. Um, And you're playing, um, you're playing to win, but it's about the team and it's about like the togetherness of the, of the team winning rather than actually winning something, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, of course it does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, win some, you lose some. You don't win every week. You know, it, 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 it's about learning how to lose as well, isn't it? Mm. You know, so it's the that's what, that's what Paul's on about. It's the game of life. You've yeah. got to learn how to lose in a good way. Yeah, you know, it's, it's about discipline and it's about you know stuff like that as well. It's about learning, learning that's... how to create. You know what I mean? Mm. Very good point. Yeah, learning how to lose um, is yeah. such a good lesson for life, isn't it? Because right, that's right. You know, you know, you're gonna nobody get likes sore, nobody likes sore losers, do they? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And you're gonna come up against all sorts of rejection in life, whether it's jobs or whether it's relationships, right. and yeah. you know, learning how to yeah. to lose is actually very, very important. Very important. Yeah, that yeah. that age, that young age as well. You know, it's a learning yeah. curve that young age. Mm. And I that's, think what that's... Sport, that's what sport does for you, isn't it, as well? You know, yeah. You learn, you learn discipline. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was, I was just about to say that, yeah, you know, sport and particular in general, and particularly football, from my experience, gives you that unity, that, you know, togetherness, that 
that common goal, irrespective of where you come from or, you know, what what your labels are, black, white, young, old, rich, poor, gay, straight, all those external labels that tend to influence society um, and shape us were absolutely wrongly, in my humble opinion. And that's why, you know, for me, it is still the beautiful game. It's still the beautiful game. I personally, it's only my, I don't think it's as beautiful as it was back in the day, Gary, but maybe that's nostalgia taking over. Um, you know, well, what's your thoughts around the beautiful game, Gary? Has it, has it, has it become less beautiful because there's far more money involved? I see some of the cheating, the <coughs> conniving, the, I mean, I don't know. Any thoughts? Yeah, I, you know the the, the money the money the money's um, harmed it a little bit. I mean, you know these some of these players are on I don't know ridiculous amounts of money, you know, but they're not in football very long, are they? So you know, take it while you can grab it, I suppose. Um, you know, it's not quite like it was. You know, I think they're a bit more pampered. You know, uh, but I don't know. It, it, I like grassroots football these days. You know, I do really enjoy grassroots football. I go to watch Carlton Town. I enjoy that as much as anything. But then again, I love taking Charlie to watch Forest. You know, Forest, we're back in the Premier League. It's a big buzz for us. But I enjoyed the Championship. You know, we're having problems getting tickets for these uh, Premier League games. And I don't know, I think the force in the uh, normal man on the street out, out of the game, the Premier League is, you know, it's difficult to get tickets. Um you don't get the atmosphere as what you get in the Championship in the Premier League, I don't think. So the game's changed a hell of a lot, hasn't it? I, don't, I wouldn't like to say for the worse or for the, or for the good. I don't really know. I'm a bit split, to be honest with you, on this one. You know, I've, I've moved towards grassroots and lower league football quite a lot over the last couple of years, as you know. Right. Hmm. It's interesting thinking about football in time scale and, you know, how it's changed. And how do you think it will look like in like 50 years how how do you think football will be like in like 50 to 100 years even well I, I think they'll be playing Premier League games in Bangkok China you know and they won't be bothered about the normal fan normal bloke in the street they won't be bothered about season tickets watching your club they'll be playing they'll be playing the Premier League in all the major cities on all the side of the world because of the money you know they won't turn it down that will happen probably next five to ten years I think yeah, you know, Manchester United will be playing home games in China or Bangkok. You know what I mean? It, 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 it's just about money. The Premier League's just about money. Money talks. It won't be bothered about me going to uh, watch Forest at the City Ground. You know what I mean? If they're still in the Premier League, you know, you'd have to get a flight to bloody Shanghai or somewhere. You know what I mean? Mm. And to answer your question, Rebecca, I reckon in another 50 years' time, let's put it this way, I'm setting an intention that I'm going to get a call up for England by the manager, whoever he, he or she might be at the time. I'm, yeah, I, you know. So watch this space. You heard it here first. All right, here we go. <laughs> we might be, we might be playing pl football on another planet by then, anyway. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Some would say, Gary, the way me and you used to play, we was on another planet. <laughs> oh yeah, I knew, that. I, knew that, I knew that one was coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did you did team me up nicely. I know, quite open, <laughs> yeah, the uh, Rebecca. I just kind of want to bring start towards uh, bring things towards. Uh, you know, we, we're focused on the feminine perspective. I do, and yet again, listeners, I don't believe I'm saying this because I'm playing devil's advocate for one that you know works with people to strip out labels of black, white, young, old, gay, straight, whatever the label would be. But I want to actually play devil's advocate, Rebecca, and kind of start to bring things to a close and say. You know, because you are, you know, two or three years younger than me and Gary. You look at things not just from a, a you know, a feminine perspective, but also from a generational perspective. And I'm thinking more specifically about social media and the influence that has on people's lives. Mm. You know, maybe not just so much about football, but the game of life itself. And what's your thoughts, you know, um, you know, from a feminine perspective, and from a young woman's point of view of how social media has affected, you know, the, the game of life generally. And then me and Gary can speak about it to close out about how it's affected life and football. Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, like with most things, there's a lot of positives with social media, but there's also a lot of negatives that have come along with it. 
and I think in a sense it's kind of brought people closer together because now we can contact we can talk with people all around the world and we can you know um you can go on Instagram you can get inspiration from you know um all sorts of different things um artistic things music dance it's very creative it's given people kind of a creative outlet to express themselves um but then of course there's the kind of more negative side where it's created uh such um noise I think in our lives where you know you you go on your phone and you see all these people putting up kind of almost the best versions of their lives onto social media and so it creates a kind of um comparison all the time I think with young people are kind of looking at at what happened what's happening on social media and thinking you know oh my life is not this way or, or you know I'm um you know not at this stage or whatever the thing is and um so I think it's created uh it's 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 revealed a lot of insecurities as well um I think um or it's it's maybe revealed isn't the right word but like um I think it has created the environment for where insecurities can kind of be grown um so yeah I think that I think it's a tool and I think that it's something that can be used for a lot of good. Um, but I think that, you know, there's a lot of, um, I think just awareness that needs to go with how we use social media. So, um, you know, we talk about mindlessly scrolling or waking up in the morning straight away on Instagram, straight away on Facebook, scrolling, scrolling through, you know, um, so I think how we use it and just having that mindfulness about it um, is really important, uh, especially for young people, because they're so impressionable and at such a kind of tender age where, um, you know, they're uh, kind of subjected to um, all of that noise out there on social media. It can be quite a daunting place for them and quite, um, I think, mental health is is obviously not... Uh, I think it's quite a, a um a problem for a lot of young people and I think that yeah social media is not um necessarily helping the situation so but I think yeah I think it goes back to how how we use it and how we can um you know use it for 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 good uh, for for helping each other and supporting each other I, I yeah I agree with uh, Rebecca, uh, it is. It, it's got its good points and its bad points, you know. Especially with the young people, you've got they're very impressionable. I mean, there's a lot of trolling on Twitter. You know, people incognito. You know, you, you don't know who they are. Who they are? They pick on people. There's a lot of jealousy as well. You've got to be careful. Hell of a lot of jealousy, especially on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, sometimes at times I feel like coming off social media, but it's a great tool because I work for Carlton Town. You know, mm. <clears throat> for advertising and. And uh, <laughs> what I do for Carlton Town, it's fantastic for me. You know, I can get the crowds in and, you know, and, and publicise Carlton Town. So that's a great tool in that way. But in other ways, I've had friends that have been trolled on Twitter, you know, and been bullied, you know, yeah. and that's the downside to it. <coughs> so, yeah, I totally agree with you. It's got its good points and its bad points. You know, there's times mm. you can get down and you feel like coming off it for a while, you know. And sometimes there's times when I felt coming off it, but I can't come off it because it, it, it's, it's good for what I do at Carlton Town. Yeah. <clears throat> mm. I think just to close out, listeners, what we have here is, um, you know, some very, very valid insights about social media, how it influences our life and, um, you know, good, bad and indifferent. But I sum it up and I close out by saying this. Imagine in any club, any team, you've got a squad of players and you pick, the guys have used the words tool, you pick a player to do a specific job. And if it suits or that particular player's style suits at the time, then you pick that player. And I think social media is exactly the same. You'll pick that particular tool if it's appropriate or not. So, Rebecca, I want you to have the last word. Um, as, um, you know, from a feminine perspective, do you want to... Any last-minute thoughts to, to share about anything at all? Oh, gosh, it's a very broad <laughs> question. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think um, I've think i really enjoyed what we've spoken about, and it's been interesting to, you know, hear the, the uh, kind of bit more of the background and the different insights and, um, 
you know, I think that from 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 a feminine perspective, I, I find that it's um, really positive to like know that more women are being involved in football. I just think that that's a reflection of maybe how the world is kind of balancing um, in in men and women, and I think that that's a really um, a really good thing. So, mm. yeah. Okay. So last words then. Um... <laughs> I want you to imagine that the football fairy godmother comes and taps you on the shoulder and says, Rebecca, you've got one wish. You can only be a Brighton and Nova Albion supporter uh, or a Nottingham Forest girl. Which way are you going to go? <laughs> I'm not going to play into your game and I'm going to say neither. <laughs> and there you have it, Sorry. listeners, neither. So on that to non-participatory note, <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We'll close it out there and we'll close it the way we always do by saying, remember, the game's changing. How will you respond? Thanks very much for listening to this World Game Changes podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember... The world's changing. How will you respond?